0: Welcome to the Dare to Pivot podcast, a resource for inspiration and encouragement while you're on your path to purpose. The Dare to Pivot podcast is hosted by Waqia Hayward, that's me, and Barbara Wade, two middle-aged sisters who are passionate about having honest, open conversations with each other and special guests about faith, transparency, and living a life of purpose. The Dare to Pivot podcast is rooted in the Christian faith, and we believe that we are all made for a reason and with intention. However, it's up to us to pursue our purpose. By exploring the four foundational pillars of D.A.R.E., which are decisions, actions, results, and evaluations, we're hoping that women will be motivated to actively pursue their own purpose journeys. Join us as we learn together that it is never too late to be great. Hi, ladies. Welcome to the Dare to Pivot Podcast. My name is Wakia Hayward, and I'm your
1: host. And this is Barbara Wade.
2: Hi. And
0: today, our special guest is Diane Cartwright. So, Diane, I was I was learning about and so you know, let me first start by saying that she is a mom of three, an entrepreneur, a social worker, a um, owner of her own counseling business, um, and most importantly, a child of God so Diane welcome to the show
1: thank you thank you guys for having me yes yes
0: yes yes so I pretty much give like a little short bio but we always like for the women to get to know you personally so please tell us about yourself
2: so like you said I am absolutely a child of God first Mm -hmm. I'm a Christian I am a mother of three adult children a beaming grandmother of two grandbabies, both of which have been born during this pandemic. Wow. Uh, yeah. And so one is 19 months and one is four months. And I am just in love with them. Um, I am a clinical social worker. I like to call myself a late bloomer because I went back to college in my 30s mm-hmm. um, and went five years straight all year round um to get my go from I went from my associate's degree to my um bachelor's degree took a year off and then I went back and finished my master's degree at 40. um and so after my master's degree my focus was um getting fully licensed because my goal was to start my own private practice which I am in doing full-time right now so wow, in between there I've had some executive roles and so forth and so on but right now full-time private practice love it super busy
1: hmm. congratulations
2: thank you thank
0: you <laughs> wow she, Baba, look she's speaking your language right there ma'am no, I was gonna say, say
1: she's living my life that's all yes. I was gonna go there <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys
0: so, Diane, I know you you wanted to come on the show and it was a couple of things. things. Um, what is that thing? So, you know, obviously this, this show is called Dare to Pivot, right? So could you tell yeah. us, like, what is that thing that you have had to pivot, your most, ex, you know, explosive pivot point over the last five to six years? Let's go there.
2: Woo. okay. So five or six years ago is when my divorce was finalized. However one of the most, I would say the most pivotal moment for me was, well, there were a couple actually, <laughs> but, uh, before I had to pivot was the, me being separated from my husband of, um, 23 years. And so around the 19th year is when I like to say, uh, hell broke loose. And, um, you know, we had, some issues going on in our marriage that resulted in um, my husband then um, separating from this family. And um, as a result of that, there was a lot of pain and hurt for me and my children. Um, I was trying to do everything I could to try to make our relationship work you know, being a woman, a Christian, a child of God, you know, I had a lot of cognitive destinies going on as far as like, okay, how do I, how do I still honor God and still stay in this relationship? Although knowing that the relationship at that time, what was being demonstrated and how it was being treated was very, very unhealthy for me. And so for four years, I, tried to make the relationship work while going through a lot of pain and hurt and discovering all types of um, behaviors that didn't align to what we had been uh, demonstrating to our children and believing God for, it it just didn't match. And so ultimately I ended up leaving. I felt like the Lord was like, you need to get out from under this leadership at the moment so that you can get a clear head. And so around the fourth year of being separated, um, I felt like it was time that, well, I prayed, cause I've been through a whole lot over those four years. I had been discovering things. I had been in so much pain during this time when I left, halfway through those four years, it was two years after he stopped coming home that I decided I need to leave the house. And after the house that we were sharing, I got my own town home. But at that time I was going through a lot. Bankruptcy, because my bills were no longer being paid. I was trying to find a job because I had been a stay at home mom for 13 years. And so therefore I was trying to find a job that would take care of me and my. at the time the youngest was still living with me. Um, I had started experiencing severe panic attacks, anxiety, depression, all of these things. And so the pivot moment for me was, Diane, you have to take care of yourself. And so while you are still trying to figure out whether or not you're going to be married or not, you need to do what you need to do to take care of yourself. And so... I started thinking about those ways that I need to take care of myself. How do I find a job? How do I become financially secure? Um, You know, how do I still take care of my children? How do I, you know, fix spiritually, you know, this confusion that I had about whether or not God loved me or not because I was going through this thing in my marriage?
1: Wow. That is. So, so what do you feel the answers that you got back, what were, so I can certainly see how these were like huge, um, uh, life occurrences all at one time. How do I take care of myself physically, mentally, emotionally, financially? What do you feel like, uh, God said to you, how, how do you, how do you feel like he answered you? I mean, I can certainly see you're on the other side now. So it must have been some responses, some encouraging encouragements
2: that you were getting. Yeah. I will say in the beginning, yeah. <clears throat> when I was feeling like God had forsaken me, mm-hmm. you know, in the beginning of it, I, I certainly felt that way. I felt like my prayers weren't being answered. I felt that the strategy or the, the tool that I use in the beginning, because I, mm-hmm. I just wasn't totally there mentally and emotionally to make some of these like life-changing decisions, Mm -hmm. but logically and rationally, I focused on what I could do, right? Mm -hmm. So focusing on what I could do versus what I couldn't do. Right. Focusing on um, making a a list of priorities, you know, setting goals. So Mm -hmm. that earlier on in the separation, one of the things that kept me focused was um, every year, since I separated um, every year at the beginning of the year around new years, I don't really do like new year's resolutions, but what I do is I sit down and I pray and I believe God, what's my focus for this year? So mm-hmm. there were different themes for the years that would keep me focused. So one theme was out, out with the old and with the new, another theme was, you know, knowing who you are, you know, and so those things helped me towards the end and what made me end up getting a divorce was I what gave me what what gave me the permission to get a divorce was when I was praying and I was like Lord I'm exhausted I'm tired I'm not sure what's going on why is this happening to me the Lord spoke to me as clear as day and was like listen I can't make your husband love you he said just like I can't make people love me you know and he said don't you think that it is my will that you two would be together he said i can speak to your husband all day long and i have but he's given us all free will he said i have given you all free will and so that was enough for me to understand that i could be doing everything right god could be talking to him all day long but at the end of the day if he didn't choose to remain married and, and invest in it and do the things that would cause us to reconcile in a healthy, godly way, mm-hmm. I I would be spending, and that's what I felt over those four years of separation is that I was just spending mm-hmm. for not, you know, because right. nothing was going to work. And so, mm-hmm. while my heart was tremendously hurt, you know, right. like physically in pain. Yeah. Yeah. I still felt like that was the Lord saying, listen, babe you know you have to take care of yourself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah hmm. so, just the bravery to even
0: go there like you know what I'm saying like you know just the bravery man. like all the rationalizations obviously you went through four years of of waiting. Right. To see yeah. what happens. Right. Praying, waiting, still believing God is going to move, doing all the things, fasting, doing all the things, yes. all the
2: things. Fasting with my friends, praying with yes. my friends. I'm constantly, you know, because, because of the the gaslighting and, the, and, and, you know, the psychological, emotional abuse, the cognitive dissonance, all those things have me constantly beating myself up you know, thinking, what did I do wrong? What am I doing wrong? Um, even in my prayer, I'm like, Lord, change me, fix me, do what I need to do, show me what I need to do. And then I would even act on those things, you know, even things that I knew was continuously keeping me in the web, that's what I call it, you know, stuck to the web, you know, you, you get out from under it and then there are things that bring you back into it. And so things that, that I, I would, tell my daughter to never do, I would end up, you know, doing because I'm trying to win them back. I'm trying to, you know, with all these things that, that were not lining up, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Behaviors is what you have to pay attention to, not right. the work okay. And so even though I could separate logically and rationally what was healthy, emotionally, I just did not want to get a divorce. I felt like I was disappointing. I would be disappointing God. I felt like it was, you know, going to impact, you know, my future in a negative way. You know, Mm -hmm. constantly beating myself up about, you know, am I a good wife and, you know, and listening to these narratives, Mm -hmm. you know, that I'm being told. So I'm like, well, if somebody loved me and they're telling me these things, like, okay, there must be some truth to it. But then I know factually and behaviorally, those things weren't adding up, you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So lots of confusion. Mm -hmm. Well, I I noticed,
1: I noticed one thing you did not mention, which if you could explicitly speak to one of your steps was not moving
2: on with somebody else. No, no. Was that a, was that a conscious decision? It was very, conscious. it was very conscious. And here's the reason why, because I believe you're married and divorced divorce period. And so my vows was to be married, you know, until death do us part. See, I was a little girl. That you know, in middle school and high school, dating people. I was the one who wrote Mrs. Such and Such. You know, I had my kid's name picked out. Like it, my dreams were to be married, to be a wife, to be a mother, and you know, have a good job, right? My my mother's the baby of 18 children from Leesburg, Georgia. Okay, and so you know, she raised us as a you know, pr- pretty much a single parent um, towards the from middle school up because. Um, You know, I was sexually abused as a child. Mm -hmm. My mom was sexually abused as a child. And so, you know, we just, my mother has done just such a great job with like making sure that we understood hard work and dedication and those types of things. But because, you know, I, I saw so much craziness as a child, I just, you know, it was just a dream, right? To be married, to have this princess. I mean, this prince and this king sort of kind of sweep you off your feet and take care of all of your needs. And so all I wanted to do was be married and, and have children and, you know, have a, have a job, you know? And so I thought that's what I had. And so I was committed to that. I did not, I was trying to do everything I could to not have a divorce. So for me, I wore my ring all the way up until I walked in, out of the divorce proceedings. I was not trying to be with anybody else because I feel I feel like you should not be trying to move on in any type of intimate relationship until you've done the work from you know a divorce or a breakup or things of that nature. Because if you haven't, you're gonna bring that same trauma or you know, trauma reaction into a new relationship. And so for me, even after I got a divorce, my heart physically. Like physically, my heart still hurt for two years after the divorce. Mm-hmm. You know, still couldn't eat, still struggled. You know, it was just a lot. So, and even now, I, I still haven't really dated my my kids and friends get on me all the time. And that's a whole nother episode <laughs> we have to talk about. <laughs> my daughter tells me, like, Mom, you think somebody's gonna come and knock on your door and just be like, Hey, I'm here to date you? I'm like, uh, you know, I, I, I hope it. I, maybe it's, right.
0: I it's, it's all possible. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: they
2: show up anyway. They can show up anyway. So, no, I, you know, just being very conscious and, oh, and aware of that. I, I just, um, you know, my heart was still hurting. I was still, you know, in love. And one of the other steps that I feel like the Lord was, had shown me or educated me on is that just like we have to do work to love somebody, You also have to do work to unlove somebody. It's Mm -hmm. not like TV, you know, you don't just, it it, it wasn't that easy for me, I should say, Mm -hmm. you know, to just try to move past, you know, I was with this person the majority of my life, Mm -hmm. you know, I was married for 23 years and we dated five years prior to that as teenagers, you know, and so you're talking, you know, almost 30 years. And so that wasn't an easy transition for me. Mm -hmm. Understood. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you.
1: No,
2: thanks for asking.
0: You know, i I think I think just to be able to, you know, again, I I think about the the bravery it took just to get up and say that you walked away because all too often what I find is that you know you stay, Mm -hmm. and you know you don't supposed to be there, and that's the thing I've always wrestled with, right? Is that, um, is that okay? Well, does God love me? If God really loves me, is this what the best for me looks like? Like, is this the best mm-hmm, for me though?
1: mm
2: mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. like, Is that the best for me? I'm just trying to understand the best for me because I understand his promises also extends to me. Right.
2: You know, right. and I
0: think that part um
2: yeah.
0: is the is the part where the wrestle, the rub always comes in at, right? Absolutely. And yeah, and, you know, not, and I'm sure you know you've had plenty of friends who all, you know, oh, I would do this, I would do this, I would do that. And you know, I'm not divorced. And so I'm not in that space, but I I can understand. And I must say this, I don't even know if I can't. I don't know if I can't understand. I would hope that I would understand that, yeah. that God loves me and his promises extend to me, right? Right. Yeah. They're not coming from yeah. my husband down to me. So his promises are real. And so I would have to constantly believe in my heart that I deserve everything. When he mm-hmm. says that you will see the goodness of the Lord while in the land of the living, mm-hmm. that extends that to me you know what I'm saying (laughs) right so I commend you for being brave enough to say Lord this does not look
2: like what your promises say to me that's exactly what it was because I had to realize that at the end of the day when we're standing before the Lord you know I'm I'm being judged on me you know what I'm saying and and I you know I had to realize that he loves me individually you know what I'm saying every you know so I had to say, okay, Diane, you know, while this marriage is a huge part of who you, it has been a huge part of who you are, it's not everything, you know what I'm saying? It's not, you know, that you're, you're not going to get into the kingdom of heaven just based off of your marriage. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's so many things that the Lord has put put me on this earth for. And I had to realize in that, in this fullness and stop associating whether or not I was, I was a good Christian or not only with my marriage. You know, I had to start associating it with other things that I believe that God had put me on this earth for. And while in my marriage, you know, my priorities, well, and I shouldn't just say in my marriage, my priorities in life has always been God, you know, well, I should say since I've been an adult, God, my family and everything else. That just looks different now. Mm-hmm. Priorities are still the same, you know, and I was married, of course, God, you know, my family, meaning, you know, what my husband needed, you know, with helping to run businesses with, you know our mar- you know, our kids, our family. And then a lot of times it was me. You know, and what my needs were, um, and so which you know came last oftentimes because I you know I felt that that was that's what you're supposed to do you know, and I don't have a problem with that, and I actually love being married, I love the idea of marriage, I love um, you know uh, my kids and being a mom, but that's not all of why I'm here, you know why God put me here. Mm-hmm and actually it was the other i'm sorry and actually it once i started looking at life from that way i became more motivated and i and i realized that god did love me because when i started going back through my prayers and what i was what i was praying and believing for every other area of my life was blossoming you know through this through the separation and 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 especially even after the divorce as blind, I'm like more is above and beyond what I can even ask or think. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so that's the thing that, that would motivate me and say, okay, Lord, I know you love me. I know you love me. So let me stop equating. Let me stop beating myself up. Because I know that's not your will. And I know you're, you're doing so many other things for me that, you know, I'm not really giving attention and credit to It's like my pastor one of my former pastors, said you know we can have that paper cut on my on our thumb and we'll pay all the, we'll pay a lot of attention to that paper cup paper cut on the thumb but then forget the other nine fingers you know what i'm saying and so i had to look at the other nine fingers more so mm-hmm. than looking at that one that had the paper cut on it.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, what you're saying is so profound to me because i think the thought process that you're explaining can be associated with so many situations in life. First of all, there's no, I would say, perfect life. Meaning, mm-hmm. you have lack of ailments in your body. You're the perfect weight, the perfect height for what maybe you want, <laughs> and uh, have the perfect look, and you know, um, all your relationships are in a great place all at the same time yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah. your your aspirations are are being achieved at the speed and um, with the compensation that you believe you deserve. So I have not found a human being <laughs> that has that, mm-hmm. they're in all these sweet spots mm-hmm. all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And what I hear you saying is that questioning God's best for you and the fact that he does still have a best for you and a love and affinity for you, Mm -hmm. um, despite you recognizing an area of your life that is not in that best place at this time, that has absolutely nothing to do with his undeniable, unquestionable love and favor for you absolutely and so the sooner we accept and recognize that as believers yeah despite those places that may be a little out of balance or are challenging at the moment right um that that really has no bearing on what god feels for you and that is such a valuable lesson um that i believe us as believers have to embrace and sometimes i feel like there's this test until you figure that out you know what i mean it's those 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 big issues are going to happen because he wants you to recognize that right like it's never i never stop loving you right right you're you're always going to be human Mm -hmm. um there's always going to be a place for me Mm -hmm. um and uh, I have not removed your own will mm-hmm. and freedom of choice. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so with all of that freedom, um, we find ourselves in challenging places that have absolutely nothing to do with his original promise. Absolutely. That I created yes. you for a reason and a purpose Yes, and that we can commune with one another Regardless of what all those circumstances in life are, right. so that is uh, yeah. a valuable lesson. And there's a place of peace and comfort that comes once comes once we get to that place. I think it yeah. helps us maneuver
2: through life when yeah. all these
1: things happen in That's our life because so they're always going to be there.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. No, that was very valuable to just um, individuate. You know my my faith walk my mm-hmm, mm-hmm. purpose yep. here, and, yep. um, and 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 no longer um, allow myself to take blame mm-hmm. for the hurt that was coming to me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so those were. You know key things and then having a you know my other huge strategy is having a squad you know i think oh i was i was telling wakia that like you know building that that support squad that can remind mm-hmm. you of who you are yep and you know when you're not when you're doubting yourself when you are unsure you know who can remind you who god is to you his promises you know from the spiritual perspective the person who emotionally and psychologically like you know I have several best friends and and, mm-hmm. and and a lot of them are therapists and and or you know have been knowing me since high school and mm-hmm. you know like like I was saying earlier for me there was a lot of a lot of just emotional psychological confusion and that squad was just so valuable to be like you know what I, you know this was said to me or that was said to me you know, what do you remember? Or, you know, who am I? You know, and it was just really, really valuable. Really, really. And still is to this day. Awesome. So that is certainly, a,
1: a, I would say, a strong component mm-hmm. of having a squad. Mm-hmm. I think the, the older we get, um, I would say the more valuable those relationships are. Yeah. Um, someone that knows you. Yes.
2: Um, when you don't know yourself right yeah well he's brave enough just to tell you the truth <laughs> yeah yeah tell you the truth and sometimes that truth is is very very um, you know hard to accept um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, one of my best friends Michelle who's also a therapist um, you know I was I was telling her some things about you know I, Just wasn't feeling strong. Wasn't feeling confident. You know, one of those days I was just like doubting myself. Like, okay, I don't know if I made the the right decision. You know, you know, you know, I just feel like I'm being punished. You know, I just don't feel strong. I feel like I just blah 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 blah. And she was like, Diane, you've always had the power to you're very logical, very rational. You've always had the power. You just didn't know for 20 some years what was going on with you psychologically and emotionally. But I want you to know that you can trust in your gut. You Mm -hmm. can trust that, Mm -hmm. you know? And um, she reminded me of this scene from the Wizard of Oz at the end Mm -hmm. where I think it was, the good witch told Dorothy, Dorothy was like, she was telling her all these opportunities she had to go home, essentially, right? And, the, and and then the good witch was like, Dorothy, you've always had the power to go home. And so Michelle's point to me was, you've always had the power, so just remember to tap into that power mm. and trust your gut, you know? And that was so powerful to me because that gave me an anchor mm-hmm. to, when, if I can't talk to Michelle or Michelle's not around, it was something that I can grab hold to, to trust, even when I didn't feel like I could trust myself, you know? Right. So much right. so I got it tattooed on my forearm.
1: oh you got a tattoo?
2: You've always you had Turn around forearm? a little bit more. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> wow. I got a tattoo because when I don't feel strong, I absolutely look, I wanted it somewhere I could see it. That's my first tattoo. My son talked me into getting it a couple of years ago because I said I would never get a tattoo, never. And You know, sons have a way
1: of... Convincing us. About. Listen,
2: <laughs> the experience. I <I'll> tell you, <laughs> I was like, oh, I would never get a tattoo, but I did that so that I can remind myself, "You got this.
1: You got this." That's awesome, man. You got I, it, indeed. I think,
0: I think what's so interesting about this, right, is that to me, I find these are just tools you use. Like I always say, like when God is being silent, like a silence yeah. of God, right? Because yeah. what, one of the things that y'all had talked about yeah. a, a couple of frames back when y'all when you was talking, it, and it was just that. You know, like when you were praying and you were talking to God and and even though God was answering, blooming you, blooming other areas of your life, that one particular area in that relationship, there was no life there, right? And so God was just silent in that space. Mm-hmm. And so all these other tools, whether it be building your squad, get this tattoo, just having something to constantly remind yourself on who God says you were, right? It's these mm-hmm. things you deal with when you're walking through that silence. And mm-hmm. I think to Barbara's point about how that's, we all go through that silence, no yeah. matter what it is, right? We yeah. all had that silent moment yeah. And we're trying to figure out, um, you know, what to do next. Like, you know, uh, my pastor, Stephen Furtick, and one of the things he said uh, a couple of weeks ago was, um, he, said, he said, he said, you're not stuck where you started. You're stuck where you stopped. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And I think that just like resonated in my spirit because it's one of those things I understand that when God is silent, if you go back to the place of the last thing he said, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Whatever that thing was, that was usually like a little grand come to, to, move, to keep you moving forward. Mm-hmm. you know which is why you have that word on your arm right because that's like a little reminder so that when you get to a place where you stop moving and you get stuck you're really not right you just got to
2: figure out where's my power coming from listen because those four years between 2010 and 2014 when you know we were separated and i'm being told i want the marriage to work but then their behaviors that's clearly demonstrating that this is not you don't want this to work you know um, you know, it, I, those were very dark days, very, very dark days, uh, very hard, very difficult. And I did, I felt like, okay, Lord, I'm praying. I'm fast. I'm doing all these things. You know, I'm going, to, I'm seeing therapists myself individually. I end up having severe panic and anxiety attacks. And like in 2013, um, I go see a therapist and he pretty much tells me, he's like, listen, Cause you know, when you go see a therapist, like the first two and three therapy sessions is, is gathering information. You're, you know, you're sort of kind of going through all the reasons why you're coming to therapy. And for me, it was severe panic and anxiety. I had severe panic attacks, taking my son out of town to do a college tour. And long story short, I shook for 14 days straight and I lost 14 pounds. I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't do anything. And so I ended up finding a therapist who specialized in anxiety and panic And I went to see him and on the third session, he read back all the stuff that I had told him that I had been, I was going through at the time Mm -hmm. in this separation. I don't know where my husband lives. I, he hadn't told us me or the kids for three years. I am in financial distraught. I had to file for bankruptcy. I'm in the middle of looking for a job because remember, I was a stay-at-home mom for 13 years. I just graduated with my master's degree. I'm trying to get a career started because now I don't have anybody paying for my bills. I have to, you know, fend for myself right now. I have one child that was about, one child that was about to be be married, another one that was about to be proposed to. I have a child going to college. I'm looking for new jobs. At that time, I'm only making like $30,000 a year. I just passed my study for my license exam. So he's reading back off my mother who had just had surgery. He he's reading back all this stuff to me. Right. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, who are you talking to? Who are you talking about? And he said, Diane, you got all these things that you put in a drawer, but you have not closed the drawer, which means you haven't made any decisions on any of these things. Mm -hmm. It's i did the, the the superwoman the black superwoman thing right which is we bulldoze through things we we do what we gotta do to get to whatever we gotta get to right in the moment we got it we can do it we got we, it exactly right you know what my son gotta go to college stores. boom let me take my computer with me let me you know we're gonna go we drive there we come back in one day with three hours of driving what you know you do what you got to do, you know, my, my daughter's getting married. Guess what? I'm about to sell jewelry. My son need to go and he got to get his, um, essay. you know, we go do some tutoring. Guess what? I'm about to sell purses and shoes. I'm, you know, I'm doing what I got to do. You know, I'm looking for jobs. I'm doing what I have to do. Um, but those were some of the darkest, darkest days. And so the, 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 the therapist at the time, he said, Diane, this situation, your panic and anxiety didn't come from you driving your son out of the state and it, and it was inclement weather. Your panic and anxiety came from this was another situation in your life that was out of your control and you felt like this was another situation that was to kill you. You know, because he, he brought up, you know, he took me back to childhood and all the way up and all, you know, with being, being hit by a car as a child, being sexually abused as a child, you know, all these traumas. Mm-hmm. And he said, in my mind, when I was on that freeway and I felt like I couldn't see and, you know, the, the weather was bad or whatever, he's like, in your mind, here's another situation that was completely out of your control, you know? So it was really, really dark for those four years. And even you know after the divorce, but particularly those four because like I said, I just I felt like God had deserted me. That mm-hmm. you know my prayers were although like I said, all these other areas were blossoming and they were beautiful. But mm-hmm. I was only I was tunnel vision on this marriage and it being destroyed is the epitome of me not doing what God has asked me to do when that mm-hmm. wasn't in at all. Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm.
0: Hmm. I so you, you know i think for me just listening to you talk it's amazing how you had all those things like when he ran back all those things to you your anxiety to me was 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 valid man. <laughs> like it was right. valid like the emotion was a true thing you know but yeah like yeah thing. you know to be able to sit back and say okay i have all these things going on in my life and this is why i'm feeling that kind of way i think the biggest thing is for us just to stop first and just assess all the things that we got going on in our life and recognize that mm, yeah
2: i can handle it but i don't really want to like <laughs> and you know yeah but for and for me like I, those things were going on but i had not bunched them together when he bunched them together i was like who are you talking about that, whose life are did you just describe because It was just so much going on at one time. And so you're right. It's like, and now that's what I do, right? So if I'm feeling overwhelmed, if I'm feeling stressed out, I'm like, all right, pause, Diane. You know what this feeling is about. You know, do an assessment, (laughs) you know, take stock of your life, prioritize, you know, what do you need to lay down or give away or, you know, those types of things. But at that time, it was so much and i'm sure i missed even some things saying to you guys that was on the list it was just so 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 much so much
0: i know when i was younger and i used to go through you know i've always had an issue about control Mm -hmm. and i don't like to say i like to be in control i just like to know what's coming like if the the train is coming i just want to know the train is coming i get a warning a light a whistle some i just need to know what's coming and I remember for me, I used to always look at my life, like you, a lot of your story is very similar to my own. And yeah. in, in several, there was several places where we sort of just walked along the same path. Yeah. And and I, for me, I always looked at my life like a, like a dresser. And I was like, you know, as long as I open one drawer up and deal with the contents yes. of that drawer and handle mm-hmm. those contents and push that drawer back mm-hmm. closed, I am fine. Mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. do another. I can even have three or four drawers open at one time. Mm-hmm. What gets me though, is when there's a hiccup in life yep. and all the drawers pop open. Because yeah. now I'm trying to deal with everything and I'm not really sure where everything is going. And yeah. for me, I start to feel like, I started like, everything is just piling up because I don't like clutter. So everything is starting to pile up. And I'm just trying to figure out how in the world to stop the clutter. Mm
1: -hmm. You know,
0: like Mm -hmm. I remember earlier this year, I had some stuff going on with my mom and all this different stuff. And I remember thinking there's water coming from somewhere. And all I can remember myself is panicking, trying to stop the water. Like, that's all I'm thinking. You know what I'm saying? But once I stopped to just really think about how, okay, what exactly am I feeling? And it's okay that, you know, you're feeling a little crazy right now because you got lots of stuff going on and you can't control none of this stuff so how about we yeah. just focus on what you can control and just do that yeah. and everything else and I have to constantly remember over and over that guy don't need my help that guy doesn't been rolling this world for a long long time he don't need me <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm
2: just gonna do my little part play my position he'll play, he'll yeah. play the rest and <laughs> making those decisions you know a huge part and, and now you know now that I, I you know when that stuff happened I was early on into um, graduating and getting licensed and so you know, I had just started seeing, you know, clients and I hadn't really, um, fine-tuned my craft, my craft into like understanding fully how anxiety and panic work. So I'm learning, you know, during this time, I'm also learning about panic, anxiety, how to be a therapist, you know, what's, what actually am I experiencing as a result of, you know, the cognitive dissonance? What is that? What does that mean? You know, so a lot of you know, doing a lot of education and awareness for myself, Look, researching, you know, these are all tools that helped me to sort of kind of finally figure out, oh, I, I've been the victim of some stuff for a very long time and didn't know that that what was going on, number one. And then number two, what am I going to do about it now that Mm -hmm. I understand that, you know, what the definition of narcissistic traits are in gaslighting and psychological and emotional abuse. And, you know, and Mm -hmm. even though you are aware of these things, um, you know, emotionally, you're still connected and Mm -hmm. still attached. And so then what is the work that you need to do to get through that? And that is not easy. You know, there's a lot of research that talk about how emotional and psychological abuse is harder to recover from than physical abuse. And so these were not terms or words that, you know, I understood as a 20 year old or a 30 year old, you know what I'm saying? Or, or a teenager, I'm, I'm thankful that, you know, even my teens that are coming to see me for therapy, they are, they are familiar with these things. You know, we we didn't understand those things, you know, especially when you have the elders and family members and everybody that's looking at your relationship as this great example. You know, I had people crying when I told them I was getting a divorce Mm -hmm. because a lot of people from the outside in obviously Mm -hmm. looked at this relationship as one to admire, you know, and inspiring and, you know, you're the model, but not knowing, you know, what was going on on the inside because I didn't even know. What was going on mm-hmm. myself until you know we i got out of it to sort of kind of like how do i take care of myself so it's a process mm-hmm. so you know what So to me was i couldn't even
0: when i started to even you know how that, that emotions wheel like I, I was i'm not a therapist but i'm a life coach and one of the things we use is an emotions wheel and it had like, all these different emotions on there yeah just for me to even be able to name the emotion and be able yes. to understand oh what does that even feel like because you know i'm so detached yep. from that space yeah. You know, it makes it even harder to do any to really, you know, come to grips with what's really happening, right? Because yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I live in a space of logic more times than not. Yeah. So that mm-hmm. other stuff, I can totally understand how you know where you were feeling in that space of just trying to first understand like, what is this? What is it? You know, what is yeah. this? I understand, what is it? I understand. anger. Now that one I got unlocked.
2: But let me tell mad. you. But let me tell you about anger anger is a secondary emotion it's not necessarily a primary one right so if you start asking like what's up under there you know that that's that's above the iceberg what's up under the iceberg like what is it that's causing you to feel angry and most time more often than not the answer is i'm hurt mm-hmm. you know but we we don't we we most of us are super uncomfortable with vulnerability Mm -hmm. you know, and we, we, we avoid, you Mm -hmm. know, and I tell my clients and which I had to learn too, avoidance is not a coping strategy. Mm -hmm. It's a defense mechanism.
0: Very Mm -hmm. true. Very, Mm -hmm. very true.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. One of the things my husband always says is, you know, bad news don't get better with time. Mm -hmm. So it's no need for you to sit here. You might as well just handle it now and and figure it out. Like what's the worst that can happen, you know, and try to walk through that.
2: Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm someone, I love to talk. And so hence my profession. Right. And I, I've never liked to carry, um, anger or conflict. I I just have met, like, you can talk to my best friend that I've known for, you know, 30, 30 plus years. They will tell you if we, even as teenagers, if we had any kind of conflict, I'm like, what's, what's going on? Let's talk let's get it, let's, let's talk it out. Let's get it over with. I want, I, you know, I don't believe it. It's not talking to each other kind of mess, you know, let's just talk about it. And so, and that's also how I process things. I want to talk about them. If I'm feeling any kind of way, like, you know, like I said, I'll call my best friends and be like, and this is why that squad was so important because any type of confusion, I'm like, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. You know, let me just, I'm going to say a whole bunch of crazy stuff right now. Just let me just say it and get it out. And then you can tell me I'm open to it because I'm open to constructive criticism too. Tell me exactly what you're thinking and whether or not this is healthy or not. Cause I I believe in like, I don't want to reinvent the wheel. I don't want to go through anything I don't have to go through. You know what I'm saying? So let me, let's cut this craziness short and, and let's figure out, you know, how to get through these things. But I've also learned that I have a high tolerance For sitting in things that are uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, which which kept me in that four years of trying to hope in, you know, you get you get caught up in this hope that, you know, things will be better. And nothing's wrong with hope necessarily, but you also have to look at facts and behaviors Mm -hmm. to determine whether or not that's some that's if that hope that you have needs to be let go. That's realistic, yeah. Yep, if it's realistic, exactly. Yep. Yeah, yeah, if it's realistic.
0: It, it, is that statement not a typical Black woman statement though, right? Because I think most of us, when you said that statement, I'm used to say, I'm comfortable with sitting things with, you know, uh, what do you say? Sitting in things that are uncomfortable. I yeah. think most Black people, women probably say, you know what? So am I. Like, that's my mantra. That's my, my mission statement. Like, I get that. You know what I'm saying? Because I
2: think that's where a lot of us superheroes do. Mm-hmm. Well, because think about it. We've been... Unfortunately, we have been conditioned to believe that you know, you're you so strong to sit in that uncomfortability, right? And, and, and I get where that has probably helped in the past, but lately that's not helping us because sometimes that makes us feel like okay, well, yeah, I'm supposed to sit in this uncomfortability and that makes me strong. Like I'm, I'm being this, the strong black woman. If I just sit in this uncomfortability and people will validate that, no, sis, no, we want you to be healed and whole. Let's figure out how to not sit in that uncomfortability. You know what I'm saying? Um, let's, you don't have to park your car there. Let's, let's figure out how to drive through it, you know, because we're going to still have uncomfortable moments in life, but let's figure out how to drive through it. Don't park your car there. You, you, you can be strong taking care of yourself you can be strong setting boundaries you can be strong saying no you know right
1: well i was wondering how how you have uh crafted your skill as a as a therapist um, utilizing the, the growth and the Lessons learned from that you've had from your own experience in which your relationship with God is such a huge part of it. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: How have you um, integrated those lessons learned when it may not be uh, the client where you can talk about um, God and your faith system? Because I know some clients are there and some aren't. Yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah. So first of all, all of my marketing has on there that I am a Christian or familiar with Christian principles. Okay. And so, you know, um, legally I am not allowed to talk about God or faith or Christianity, unless the client Mm
1: -hmm. says that
2: they want that as part of their treatment process. Mm -hmm. And I would say a huge part of my clientele does because like, over seventy percent of my clients are African American women, mm-hmm. and so a lot of them do. Um, and if they want me to include it, awesome. Which means, and even that, I'm not proselytizing it or anything. No. It's like, hey, you know, how are you using your faith in this situation, or no. so forth and so on. Now, truth be told, and I'm a huge advocate of helping people to understand that Christianity and mental health are not mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. You know, when we think about God's word, for example, when the, when the word of God says to call those things to be not as though they were, guess what? As far as the clinical side, it matches, Hey, when you're having negative thoughts, replace them with positive ones. That's Mm that's that that cognitive behavioral therapy. So even though I may not be using Christian principles sometimes Mm -hmm. to help people to navigate through whatever they're going through, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of therapy, um, print techniques that are synonymous with the word of God.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, my, my um, what I've been through certainly helps me to be able to show them that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple of things where my, what I've overcome show up in what I do is I don't tolerate abuse at mm-hmm. all and so even as a therapist if it's blatant in session i call it out um and that has actually helped clients Mm -hmm. to empower the victim to know because i can model for them how to call that out and that you are empowered for that by that by that action um i also you know there's quite a few people. Christians that come and see me who are either married to a, someone who is a pastor, minister, leader, somebody in leadership through a ministry who are being psychologically and emotionally abused by that leader. So mm-hmm. we talk about that. We talk mm-hmm. about, you know, what's healthy for them. Um, mm-hmm. We talk about, you know, uh, what do they believe that God is calling them to do and, you know, those types of things. And so mm-hmm. some of the, more harder work, you know. That's out here because it's really hard when somebody feels like I felt which is you know, is God punishing me, I don't want to disappoint God, but yet I know that I'm you know, this is happening in my marriage and how do I navigate through this? And then furthermore, and you know, I want to say in addition to, you know, this is happening to my children too. Right. How do I, how do I keep them safe? You know, what to do, you know, through that. And, and that was something that I had to, that was very hard for me as well. You know, how do I be honest and transparent with my children and also don't demean or, you know, put down their dad, you know, that was, that's, ve- that's a very delicate and complicated conversation but i feel like you know god showed me how to do that and then ultimately also you have to just pray that the kids can see things for themselves you know as they get older Um, and so you know that's how my history you know Mm -hmm. navigate my you know practice and just helping clients to figure out what's their what's their enough what's their why what's going to help them to feel better about, you know, being there, the child of God that they believe that, you know, God has called them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and just sitting in, sitting and holding space for them, you know, that's the, the, the most important strategy to help people navigate through that is to know that, you know, I'm here, they can talk about anything, you know, mm-hmm. um, be able to express themselves in the most clear and transparent and non-judgmental space and they know that I'm going to tell them facts and I'm going to tell them truths and that alone helps people you know overcome that's awesome awesome awesome
0: especially because I think that truth thing right I think a lot of times um, it's hard to find somebody to tell you the truth Right. Nobody really wants to tell because the truth, like you said earlier, is painful and it could be hard. So most of people don't want to don't want to
1: say it.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when people are going through something that's abusive, they need to be validated, right? In that they're not they they're the victim because you know a lot of people who psychologically and emotionally abuse people act like a victim mm-hmm. in order to um, minimize the real victims experience right so a lot of times it's validating them um telling them about resources giving them articles because there's so much confusion going on you need to you need to give people facts right Mm -hmm. and and teach them how to look at facts and behaviors and then teach them to not feel guilty about it Mm -hmm. there's a lot of guilt there's a lot of shame and we know in the you know as a christian i felt a lot of shame going through this, about to be, and being divorced, there was a lot of shame and a lot of guilt. And so how to get through that is, you know, like I said, giving, validating people, giving people resources, giving people articles so they can see for themselves and read through things themselves and educate themselves and, you know, just walking them through this process because it is a, it's a long one. Mm -hmm. And I tell them that I'm very honest about all of those things. When mm-hmm. you know friends or clients come to me, I'm very honest about it. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So, how do you
0: you've you mentioned like the embarrassment or the shame of it all, and this, the um, feeling like God was punishing you, and you know you you know were asking God, is He punishing you? After going through all that, or even in that season, how do you still get to the place where you still trusted God, mm-hmm. or even love yourself? <laughs> you know what I'm saying through yeah. that, that mass yeah uh, being able to you know um still forgive if, if you've even gotten to that place yet where you can forgive you know mm-hmm. um so what are some of those tricks of the trade that you use to sort of walk through all those different spaces
2: so I think when the Lord told me that don't you know that I've been talking to your husband and mm-hmm. and you know, and that, 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 we lit, that I gave everybody free will. And when he compared, you know, um, I can't make him love you just like I can't make people love me. I mm-hmm. was like, oh, okay. That helps me to understand that I could have been doing everything right. And that this person has made a decision to not, you know, to not do the work to, to stay in the marriage. Again, emotionally and physically, there was that pain there, but logically and rationally, there was a release for me. Mm. The second step was, um, like I said, you know, having the squad there and then remembering, I heard a pastor say years ago that the reason why he, he believed that God gave us memory is to recall the good things that God has done for us. And Mm. so for me going back, like I said, when I, when I would look at all the areas of my life, it was booming. There was blessing after bl- I'm talking about unfair favor that was <laughs> <laughs> right, and so it's sort of kind of like a multiple choice, i love that, right? Unfair favor, so it's sort of kind of like a multiple choice question, right? When you take one of these, my, like my licensing exam, we would have a lot of vignettes on there, and 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 if if one part of the answer is 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 true, you know what I'm saying? Then more than likely that answer is true altogether, and so for me, I was like, okay all these other areas in my life are booming and I can clearly see God's presence in there. So, you know, more than likely God has not forsaken me you know right. what I'm saying? because right. it's because it's one area, you know, so looking at the facts mm-hmm. is one of my greatest strategies to help me to understand how good God is that he has not left me. He has not forsaken me, you know, looking at people' behaviors, to understand, to not own anything that's not yours. You know what I'm saying? Learning how to do that, learning how to set strong boundaries. Those Mm -hmm. boundaries are there for you, Mm -hmm. you know, to to help you to know like, oh, you know what? I'm not going over that. Now, my my flesh want to go over that or emotionally, I want to go over that. But Mm -hmm. logically and rationally, Mm -hmm. no, Mm ma'am, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. You just can't you know, so setting boundaries for yourself, understanding who you are. And for me, that came from, you know, relying on my kids or my my friends and and people to remind me who I I am and who I was during that time. But going back, looking at, you know, notes I had made, my journals, you know, reading things that empowered me, like Brene Brown is one of my authors that I love, you know, Um, One of the first books that helped me to start navigating through the muddy waters of like who I am and at my core, instead of relying on what somebody was telling me that I am was Mm -hmm. the gifts of imperfection. Mm -hmm. That's a great book. Um, Her other book, Daring Greatly, you know, those are books that helped me to be like, you know, and oh, just, just so educating yourself, getting, getting to some, uh, you know, reading some books going to seminars, you know, things that's going to help you to, to create fundamentally who you are. And then I came up with this saying during the entire time. And this was, and I still say it to this day, if I feel like I'm, I'm not, um, centered is Diane, you know, who you are, you know what you've done. So don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Period. Amen. Period. Hmm. <laughs>
0: Sorry. Yes. I actually I actually love that. I'm sitting here thinking about that. I think that is one of those things where um because then you know you you know what you where you are in that space, right? And you know you've done all mm-hmm. you can do. And sometimes that's it, especially when other people are involved. Like that's it. That's it. You've done all you could do. Yeah. And so I yeah. think that to me is just one of those things that is so freeing
2: mm-hmm. um
0: in that in that whole space
2: yeah
0: um, I, I think just when you talked about the fact of you know just understanding that everybody has a choice
2: yeah
0: and God gives everyone a choice and he's such yeah. a gentleman he's such a yes, gentleman right? he's not gonna
1: push. yeah he's not
0: so, gonna push you yeah he's he's not gonna push and that, that, that by understanding that that space understanding that 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 gives you so much freedom there right and it gives you permission to walk on
2: mm-hmm. and that's what it was and then I was like all right Lord so let's go meet these goals you know mm-hmm. <laughs> I got set for myself <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. so so here's my question though mm-hmm. how did you know I'm just trying to think about how to word it how did you know if God if you felt God had either let you down or whatever and I'm, I guess I'm going to ask the question did you feel that like he let you down in that space and if you felt like he had let you down in that space how was you able to continue to trust him with something else just as big and believe that he wouldn't let you down again right because that's always the, that's always the trick with faith
2: right because okay, you know so
0: sometimes it fluctuates
2: you, okay repeat it again that i want to make sure i'm following where if you feel like in that in that one area mm-hmm.
0: of that relationship right if you my first question is do you feel like god let you down in that space and if you did feel as if he let you down in that space how can you trust him or know that he won't let you down again in that space like where is that where does that come from to believe that no he's not gonna drop you in that space
2: or drop you again well you know be, because once the Lord gave me that confirmation that I could move on. I realized that God had never left me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It was, Amen. You know, it was my husband who left me, not God, Amen. you know? And so I no longer felt like he, and like I said, once I stopped associating the solely the marriage to whether or not I've been a good Christian or not, or whether or not God loved me or not, there was no doubt that he's, he's always been with me, you know? And that is us as humans that create environments that, you know, there's either going to be rewards or consequences to that, you know what I'm saying? And so I no longer, um, felt like God left me, you know, period. Mm
1: -hmm. I just,
2: I just no longer felt that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in that moment.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. So moving forward, I guess if I ever felt that creeping back up, I would remind myself of how just how good God has been to me in a in a real matter of fact way, not in this like hokey pokey spiritual way, but like in a real <laughs> matter of fact way. You know what I'm saying? Going yes. back through my goals, going back through you know um, things I believe God for, goals I've set, you know, big prayers, little prayers, you know, going back to the factual things. Mm -hmm. natural things one of the one of the strategies we use in therapy particularly for anxiety or when we feel uncertain right when we feel like overwhelmed with things and when these thoughts come in because even as christians right we still have these these negative thoughts or um fears or worries and one of the strategies is that you know whenever that thought comes ask yourself what facts do you have to support that Mm mm-hmm right? When the negative thought come, like, what facts do I have to support that negative thought? 99.9% of the time, it's going to be nothing. You, you're not going to be able to come up with a fact. The mm-hmm. fact is unchangeable, right? This is not like, oh, maybe coulda, shoulda, you know, it's not even, it's not even like my truth because our truth can be, you know, whatever, but fact is unchangeable. It's, it's, it, is, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And so if I ask myself, what facts do I have to support that God is not there? I'm not gonna have any.
1: Absolutely. No doubt. No, no. doubt. It's too, oh, many, is
2: so it's, it's too many things that he's done, I'm you sure. know, that um reminded me and still do to this day, if I'm ever feeling that way. Like, no, no, I know you, dear Lord.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No doubt. Mm-hmm. And I,
0: I, I think what that tells me though, is goes back to our initial statements about your choice
1: Mm -hmm.
0: because you're just choosing to believe that he has not dropped you. You're choosing to believe that he will always be there. You're choosing to believe that you're still walking in his will and you're still walking according to his plan. Mm -hmm. You're choosing to believe that everything will still be okay. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where, that's, that's what separates us from them, right? Whatever that looks like. The people who says, okay, I'm going to stop right here and I'm not going to go forward because none of these things are going to happen. And now life is just over for me in this space and I'm never going to have this, that, and the third, or you could choose to say, mm-hmm,
2: no. <laughs>
0: this is yeah, I like choose a to do that.
2: Yeah. Like it's all yeah. in play. Yeah. I, I you know, and, and I think when I go back and explore the real dark parts of that, when I was believing or feeling, I should say, because it was never a, a 100% belief that God had forsaken me. You know, I felt like that, right? <laughs> I have to attribute a large part of that darkness to believing in some, you know, feeling in the, in some kind of way that he had left me. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to go back there. Mm-hmm. So moving forward, even if it tries to creep up, I'm I'm cutting his legs off, right? <laughs> right. You're I not feeling, to, you're not feeling
1: like, that flame, yeah. Yeah, no,
2: I don't want to experience right. no part of that darkness, you know what I'm saying? No part of that darkness, none. Right none none so wow. you know
0: yeah well Barbara unless you have something else
2: nope
1: I've been thoroughly blessed by this conversation
0: oh thank you thank you
1: <laughs>
0: and um, so have I and so I think that um, Diane, we just want to thank you so much for coming on, on to the show today and actually being so honest and truthful and just
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, girl just being brave and vulnerable. Oh, thank you. All those spaces, all those spaces you. that most people, you know, try to avoid. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. How you just walk right into it and sat there and share mm-hmm. and let us come into your
2: world. Um oh, man, thank you so you much. Know, just, to, I... just to see what it looks like on the other side. No, mm-hmm. oh, they can be there. Everything that they've ever dreamed or asked for, it can happen. And, you know, it, it can be a journey, but one that they can get to the other side and, and be all the better for it.